I'd like for you to turn to the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John. And I want to read verses 20 through 29. The 12th chapter of John's Gospel, beginning verse 20 through verse 29. Now there were certain Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast... These therefore came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came, and they told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father Father will honor him. Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. There came therefore a voice out of heaven, I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The multitude therefore stood by and th- who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel has spoken to him. I'd like for you to read again with me verse 27, which really is the text. Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this very purpose, I came to this hour. Uh, They came into my office one day to um, perhaps get a little help or counseling. Um, I guess sometimes when you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and trouble goes all the way down to the soul, it just helps to kind of be with somebody to see if they can give you some help. And so they came in, and the way they started the conversation was like this. We we really don't even know why we're here. We don't even know how to begin. We don't even know the words, what to say. We We just feel so badly But we don't really even know um, how to describe how we feel. I hope you don't uh, tell us to pray because we've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and we don't even know how to pray anymore. I guess there are some of us who have been there. You're weary of trust and weary of prayer and you've prayed and you've prayed and you're just at a loss for words. You can't get answers, and you don't even have questions. Well, if that sounds like somewhere you've been, you're in good company. Someone else along the way uh, just got to the point where he was at a loss for words. 
Would you like to know his name? You might say, well, I think I know who you're talking about. You're talking about Job. You could be right. This troubled man sat one day on an ash heap and scraped his boils and said, I have no defense, O thou watcher of men. If I've sinned against you, why don't you declare my sin so I can be forgiven? I don't know what to say. But it wasn't Job. The man who one day was at a loss for words was Jesus Christ. Now, if you heard this statement, I am deeply troubled, what shall I say? If that came from any other person than him, you'd be not, you wouldn't be surprised. But could it be possible that Jesus would say that? He who formed the universe by his word and sustains his creation in its course by his word, and he who had this unbreakable fellowship with the Father, could it ever be possible that he would say one day, I am deeply troubled. I don't even know what to say. And the tense of the verb indicates that this is not something sudden. It describes a continuous state or condition of being. Now when Jesus began His ministry, He went with great haste and dispatch, but it wasn't long until He began to be confronted with His own death. And he constantly prayed for the Father to help him keep on dying. And he was saying, I am being troubled and I am at a loss for words. The ministry of Jesus at the beginning was a ministry to the Jews. He came primarily to the Jews at first. But at this point in his ministry, some Greeks came. And they came to the disciples and they said, we would see Jesus. And they came and told Jesus that. And he met that with mixed emotion because he knew that the only way these Greeks would ever, quote, see him would be that he would die for them. And the only way these Gentiles would ever be grafted in to the family tree of God would be in that he was willing to die for them. And so this suffering of Jesus was now reaching its apex and its climax. Could he say that? Yes, he could, because he was like us in every way, yet without sin. And he was perfectly identified with us, especially in our suffering. And therefore, in the apex of this suffering, he cried, I am deeply troubled, and I am at a loss for words. So if we could understand how that applies to Jesus we can understand how it applies to us who has not been there. The doctors just come out to tell you that the diagnosis and the prognosis are no good. And you turn away, it feels like somebody has jammed their fist into your stomach. You actually literally gasping for breath. You open your mouth to say something, there are no words there. You go alone to pray, and the tears come, but the prayers don't. You, you've been there, haven't you? Or she's just walked out on you, and you're about to face a divorce, and that separation is worse than death. Or you've just had your greatest fears confirmed concerning a rebellious son or daughter, and you're crying out in your spirit, I am deeply troubled, and I'm at a loss. What can I say? What can I pray? What can I do? Well, there is something that is appropriate, always fitting 
for any situation and for any circumstance. There is something you can say when you don't know what to say. And it's what Jesus said. Father, glorify your name. That's always appropriate. It's always fitting. It's always right. It's always appropriate to say that for three reasons. First of all, because immediately there is security there. Did you notice what he said right at first? The first word was not, oh, um, great force, great power behind the universe. Not even does he say God Almighty. But he says, Father. There's security in that. Father, glorify your name. Now I think there's a very important person that we ignore often, maybe neglect. We've exalted Jesus and well we should. We lift Him up as Savior and Lord. Paul said, I've determined to preach no one, nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We, we need to exalt Him. And we've exalted the Holy Spirit and well we should. For He is the other Jesus and He makes Jesus real to us. But not to the neglect of the fatherhood of God. For that's why Jesus came in the first place. That's what He came to do, to declare to us and reveal to us that God is Father. And He took, a, he took our stammering tongue and He taught us a new name for Him. And He gave us a new word to use in prayer. We can call Him Father. And it means that Jesus is saying that our fate and our destiny is in the hands of one who cares for us. Now, I'm not too much in for horoscopes. There's a lot going on about that now. Uh, you know, is, is, is Nancy, does she uh, check the horoscope before she makes uh, President Reagan's schedule? Everybody's all excited about that. I, I'm not much into that. You know, I, I listen to people talk, you know, about... Uh, you know, the, the, the signs, the horoscope, and they'll say, what are you? You know, I'm a, I'm a Leo, or I'm a, is it, is it uh, Pisces, or, you know, some of those, <laughs> C's and O's. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not much into that. I know some people who won't go outside in the morning until they check their sign, you know, their, their horoscope. That, that must be a terrible bondage. Now, I'm not... I'm not some, you know, uh, wimp. You know, I, I, I know that, that there are a lot of unseen forces that are, you know, behind the universe. And, and, and it's bound to be that there are certain times when we have uh, uh, biorhythms. That means that there are certain times in the day that because of the position of the planets that you feel better than other times of the day. I, I don't know much about that. But I do know that my fate is not in the hands of some impersonal force behind the universe. My fate is not in the hands or, or, or uh, controlled by the position of the planets. My fate is in the hands of a loving Father, and He cares for me. I'm not afraid to pray, Father, glorify Your name. I had a Father. And I remember as a kid growing up that as long as he was there, I mean, I never worried about anything to eat, you know, and clothes. And I just knew that my fate was in the hands of a father who cared. I have three children, and I'd literally give my life for them. 
And as long as I'm able, I'm going to care for them in a loving way. I'm not afraid to pray today, Father, glorify your name. Because I know God's not going to let anything happen to me to harm me. Not only does it mean that He cares, we have our fate is in the hands of a Father who cares, but in the hands of a Father who controls. Now, there are some fathers who care who have no control. I met this man out in my little country church and first one I ever pastored, saddest man I'd ever met. One day he told me why. He said a man came to their little, that little village, little community, in a, one Saturday afternoon in an airplane, one of these biplanes. That was way back when air, you know, airplane rise was a novelty, especially out in that little hick town. This guy landed out in a pasture, and he was giving people rides, you know, flights around the village for $5. And he said, my boy was there, and he begged to go up in that plane. And he just kept begging. He said, finally, I, I wanted him to be happy, so I took out a $5 bill and paid for him to take a flight, take a little trip. And this guy took off, and he said, they circled around the village a couple of times and lost power. And he said, I stood helpless and watched the one I care for more than anything in life plunged to his death, and I could do nothing about it. Now, I'm not here to tell you that God is, that your hand, fate is in the hands of God. He cares for you, but he's, you know, this is a universe out of his control. But I am here to tell you that you can place your, hand, your fate in the hands of a father who cares for you and controls this universe and has promised that he will not allow anything to happen to you that will hurt you. I can pray that prayer because there's security in it. It's fitting and proper to pray it because there is submission in it. If you look at verse 27 again, he says, what shall I say? Shall I say this? Father, save me from this hour. That's what I'd say. Isn't that what you'd say? When you have trouble deep this. That's what I want to say. And I'm willing to compromise sometime. I'm willing to make a compromise with the devil. If he'll leave me alone, I'll leave him alone. I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe the devil is at the business of our demise and he's, he, he's willing to strike a bargain. He's, a, he's in the bargain business. We learned that when he encountered Jesus out in the wilderness. I had a preacher friend tell me one time, he said, we, I was having so much trouble in my church. He said, I was just staying up night and day dealing with all the problems I had. And he said, one night the devil came to me just as clear as a bell. He said to me, okay, I'll make a bargain with you. You leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. And he said, you just don't know how tempted I was to strike that bargain. What shall I say when, when I have nothing else to say? Shall I say, Father, get me out of here. Satan, wherever you are, let's strike a bargain. If you'll take, off, take the heat off I'll, I'll compromise. I'll make a deal. Jesus said, I can't say that. For it was this purpose that I came into the world. It was for this reason I was born. I think you have to get that settled right up front. Why you're here. 
I think you have to decide that right away. Why? What purpose do we have to be here? I, uh, I love that little story in the book of Esther. And the king of the, of the Medo-Persian Empire decided he wanted the most beautiful wife in all the kingdom. And you know how the story goes. He found Esther. She was a Jew. He took her as his wife. These Jews, anti-Semitism was present then. And these Jews acted different, looked different, did stuff that were different from the Medes and the Persians. And so one of the members of the cabinet of the king by his deceit, he secured a decree from the king that all the Jews be put to death. And Esther's uncle came to her to ask her to, to intercede on behalf of the Jews, to go to the king and beg for their lives. And she said, I can't do that. If I go in without invitation to the king, he'll put me to death. And Mordecai made that famous statement, I've heard it preached often, who knows, but that thou art can't come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Why are you here? Why have you come to the kingdom? I think we have to settle that first of all. And Jesus said, this reason, this is the reason I'm here, is that the Father might be glorified. That's not unlike why you're here. I need to say that again. That's not unlike why you were saved. Do you know why you were saved? Why you were redeemed? was not that you could escape. Not that you could even escape hell or problems or suffering. You were saved in order that the Father's name might be glorified. That's the purpose of your salvation. Are you going to ask to be saved from that? There's submission in it. When Jesus prayed that prayer, He was saying, whatever it involves for your name to be glorified, I'm for that, I'm for that. I heard this Romanian pastor on a tape not long ago. He said it. he was under house arrest by the communists. These communist soldiers came one day. And he'd been preaching and they said, Don't you know that we have the power to kill you? Don't you know we can kill you? And that Romanian pastor said, Your greatest weapon is killing. My greatest weapon is dying. He said, if you kill me, you, you, you make me die, you, you try to stamp out the gospel by, by making me die, it's just going to spread the gospel. This is what he said, listen. He said, my greatest weapon is dying because when they hear of my death, they'll know that I wasn't just preaching, I really meant what I said. You know what he was saying? He was saying, all I desire for my life is that the Father be glorified, whatever that involves. The amazing thing about this is that when Jesus prayed that prayer, He knew what it involved. He knew it meant passion and suffering. He knew it meant the cross. He was Gethsemane before Gethsemane. He knew what was facing Him. You and I can say that. We pray that, Lord, just glorify Your name. I wonder if we really knew what, if, if we really knew what it involved, would we pray it? There's a song from an old English hymn had made it to our hymnal. It goes like this. And if I find him and if I follow him, what reward will it bring me here? Many a toil, many a labor, many a tear. Now I'm not going to tell you that if you find and follow the Lord, all it's going to bring you is labor and toil and tears, but it might bring you some. Are you willing to pray Glorify your name, whatever it involves. Can you, can you, do you have that submission? Let me throw this in. Because we've gotten a big taste, you know, a big uh, 
dose of prosperity preaching. I read somewhere the other day this guy was saying that when Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on the day of his triumphal entry, it was an example of prosperity. Jesus, he said, was enunciating prosperity when he rode that donkey into Jerusalem because he said it was just like today if you rode in town in a limousine. That's great exegesis. I think more of what it enunciated is that if you follow the, if the Lord's name is glorified, oftentimes it means the loss of all things. And the main business of living, the main business that we're about today is that Jesus' name be glorified, whatever that means, whatever that involves. One last thing, please. When I don't know what to say, I can say, Father, glorify your name because there is significance in that. Let me tell you something. The most significant thing that will ever happen to a person's life is for the Father to be glorified in him. Now, there are two words that are implied here that are not found in this statement of, of submission, but they're there nonetheless. They're the two words in me. Now, this is how he's saying it. Father, glorify thy name in me. Now, that adds significance to life. And it adds significance to everything that happens to you. Because if you pray that prayer in trust and submission, then everything that happens to you, the things that happen to you, have new significance because that's what God is doing, glorifying His name. That, that means that there is nothing that happens to the child of God who prays this that's accidental or incidental. So if I'm flat on my back and I have prayed, Father, glorify Your name, I don't have to worry about this problem because I'm going to believe that God is just answering my prayer. He's... He's glorifying His name in my illness, you see. Now, two things need to be said about that, and then we're through. The first is that there's always the possibility of a misunderstanding. Did you, see, did you hear that? He said those who were standing by when God confirmed, answered that prayer, they said, well, it thundered. Hear, hear, hear me quickly. Hear me, hear me carefully. When you pray the prayer, Father, glorify your name in me, He'll lead you down a path that some people will misunderstand. Because there's, you see, there's a, the world uses a different dictionary than God uses. The world sees these things that happen to us as problems, but God's dictionary defines them as opportunities disguised as problems. And the world see these, sees these things that happen to us as tragedies, but God's dictionary defines them as triumphs. And the world sees these things that happen to us that trouble us in our spirit as crosses to bear, but God's dictionary defines them as crowns to wear because God's definition of what happens to us is much different than our own. So... There's nothing incidental and there's nothing accidental to the man who's prayed, Father, glorify your name. 
it's just that people have misunderstood. I mean, some of the more spiritual said, well, it was an angel that spoke. That's close, but that's not, that's not correct either. No, it's the second thing. That if you're having a problem getting a prayer answered, you pray this prayer, and I guarantee you it'll be answered. God said, when Jesus said, glorify thy name in me, God said, I have both glorified and will glorify. Listen to me carefully. You pray the prayer of trust and submission. Father, glorify your name and I guarantee you'll get that prayer answered. He'll do it. Roy Fish tells about this guy in the streets of Sydney, Sydney, Australia. And he, he just kind of, you know, uh, old, elder, more el, kind of an elderly gentleman. He, he just kind of walking around. And he'd, 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 he'd meet a guy and he'd stop him. He'd say, pardon me, he'd say, uh, where are you going to spend eternity, in heaven or hell? I, I wish you'd think about that. Toodle-doo. And he'd go on, you know, walk on. And they thought he, he was. He, was he, looked, he looked kind of strange. He'd just come up to a guy and he'd say, or a lady would say, where, where are you going to spend eternity? In heaven or hell? I, I wish you'd think about that. Toodle-doo. And, and so, you know, really he became a kind of a, a joke. Several years later, the Keswick Convention met in Sydney and thousands of Christian people were meeting there, many of them preachers. And they were talking one day and one of them said, you know, somebody said, well, how, you know, tell us, your, give us your testimony. What, how did you come to know the Lord? The guy said, well, you'll never believe my testimony. He said, there was this weird old guy down on the streets here in Sydney one day. I was walking along there. And he stopped me and said, where are you going to spend eternity? Heaven or hell, I wish you'd think about that. Toodle-doo. So that's all he said. He said, I got to thinking about that. He said, I couldn't get away from it. And I accepted Jesus as my Savior. It just kind of went like a ripple through the crowd. And, and the guy said, hey, that's, that's my testimony. And, and another said, that's how I got to know the Lord when an old man was willing at the, at the risk of being a fool, prayed, Father, glorify your name in me. There's something that's highly appropriate for this moment today. It's that statement. Father, glorify your name in me. It'll change those burdens that you're bearing. It'll change every one of them. It'll change that habit, that, that fear that you have. It'll change it. It'll change the way you look and the way you live before your friends. It's highly appropriate. The prayer trust the prayer of submission prayer that gives significance would you pray it right now with me while we bow our heads Father 
we know we can trust you with every thing we have with our life itself. We want to pray, save us from this hour. But Father, for this hour we came. Glorify your name. Give significance to this insignificant life. Because I pray in Jesus' name for the Father's Would you look here? I want those this morning who have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, look right here at me. I want you this morning to know that Jesus wore a crown of thorns for you, died on the cross for you, suffered for you. Like sheep have gone astray, we've turned every one to his own way. But God laid on him all of our iniquity. He becomes the substitute, he became the substitute that takes our sin. The apostle put it like this Now, he who was, who knew no sin, was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. And by the act of your faith this morning, trusting Jesus with your life, trusting Him with your sin, your destiny, by faith asking Him to take your sin, to save you, you will be saved. I want you to look here. I want you to come this morning. If you've never for the first time placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and be saved today. Today's a good day for that. I want you to come this morning and join this church. You live here. We need you. So many of our people have, God has called away. We need help. Come and join us. Come and place your life here. Serve the Lord with us. I want you to pray this morning. If you're not living in the center of God's will, Father, glorify your name, whatever that involves. I come to the place this morning to say with my mouth, I'm submissive to your will, whatever that will is. If it means to preach, if it means to witness on the streets, look like a fool, if it means to teach a Sunday school class, give my time, I'm willing to make that commitment. And when we stand to sing, I hope you'll come on the very first stanza. Come with us while we stand.